the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday, the 18th morning of the 12th month in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thank you once again to Dr. Everett Piper of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. A very, very important issue as it pertains to our First Amendment protections. Uh, especially when it comes to religious liberty. I want to get back now to, uh, I guess, a little bit of legalese and a little bit of politics combined, because legal eagles who hate the president are trying to destroy his presidency. They want not just to impeach him from his uh, role as president. They want to lock him up, lock him up, lock him up. I'm sure if they had a rally that could draw 25,000 people the way he does, they would all chant it. And they think they have their method now. They think that campaign finance law violations uh, are going to be the key to getting Trump out of office and potentially behind bars. After all, his fixer, as he is sometimes called, former attorney for Donald Trump, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to violating campaign finance laws by paying money, allegedly at Trump's direction, to to uh, people who are trying to blackmail and extort him, uh, threatening to go public with uh, allegations of uh, of affairs. So we all know Michael Cohen pleaded guilty. We all know that he got three years. But did he do the right thing? Did he actually violate any laws? And did he get some bad advice about pleading guilty? I wanted to go to an expert for that, and I am very pleased to welcome to the program now Hans von Spakovsky. You probably have seen and or heard him in numerous places on cable news. He's an attorney. He's a former member for two years of the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. He's also the manager of the Heritage Foundation's Election Law Reform Initiative, and he's a senior legal fellow at Heritage's Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. Hans von Spakovsky, good to have you on the program here in Cleveland. How are you? You, sir uh, i'm doing fine bob and by the way merry christmas and a merry christmas to you as well i really appreciate that i can't say that enough i love this time of the year uh, it drives <laughs> it drives the atheists so nuts uh okay uh, i don't want to get off the topic here all right so i, I spoke uh, a few days ago 
with uh, Bradley Smith, who is a former chairman of the FEC right. as well. So, uh, and and he kind of he wrote a piece for National Review that essentially said um, Cohen pleaded guilty to something that isn't a crime. Um, and as I read your piece uh, as well at Patriot Post, uh, you're kind of on the same wavelength. But I want to get your uh, specifics on this. Did Michael Cohen plead guilty to something that he and his client Donald Trump did that are not crimes? Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they are. And it's not just that Brad Smith and I don't think they are, but there are other former uh, FEC chairmen, Democrats, who say that pay, paying. Hush money uh, like this is not a campaign-related expense. Therefore, the rules and regulations uh, under federal law don't apply. And the reason we know this is because the one and only time that the U.S. Justice Department tried to make the same argument, uh, they failed. This was when they tried to prosecute John Edwards, the former Democratic presidential candidate. And there they had facts about that we're even we're much better for the government, because there, it wasn't Edwards himself making a payment. It was some of his contributors paying a million dollars to his mistress, who was actually working for his presidential campaign. A jury didn't buy it, and not only did a jury not buy it, but the FEC, that's the federal agency that is responsible for civil enforcement of the law, when they audited the uh, Edwards campaign, they said, in essence, that these were not campaign-related expenses. Therefore, he didn't break the law in making the payments, and he didn't break the law because it wasn't reported to the FEC along with other campaign expenditures. So uh, th- this is a lot of uh, a very important legalese here, and I want to I want to get more into this when. We talk about campaign finance expenditures, and, right. and you can do this with Edwards and do it with, with the president here. The argument that those on the left, your Democrat, former Democrat chairman that you just mentioned, notwithstanding, but the argument that most Democrats are making is he knew that if they went public with their accusations against him, true or not true, it would hurt him in the polls. It would hurt him in the eyes of the American voters. It would weaken his campaign. Therefore, paying money to stop it influenced the outcome of the election. Thus, it's a campaign expenditure. Um, explain how that is inaccurate. Here's the problem with that. Um, they're, in essence, arguing that it's a campaign-related expense because it could influence the outcome of the election. Well, under that scenario, anything a candidate does could influence the outcome of election. Uh, And what they're doing is they're ignoring um, a second part of the federal statute, which basically says that um, it's not a campaign-related expense. If if it's an expense or a liability that would exist, irrespective of whether you are a candidate. And i give you a quick example of this that I think makes this easy to understand. Okay. Look, if I'm, if I'm running for Congress and I quit paying the mortgage on my house so that the bank comes in and forecloses, uh, that would be extremely embarrassing. It would hurt my reputation. It would make me look like I'm financially irresponsible. And clearly, that would, could influence the outcome of my election. But paying, uh, paying my mortgage, that's an expense that it exists irrespective of whether I'm a candidate or not. So under federal law, that's considered a personal expense. Um, these kind of payments that were made, these, these hush money payments, as you, as you know, Bob, celebrities 
make these kind of payments all the time. Um, and this liabil- potential liability uh, existed regardless of whether Trump was running for president. Why? Well, because he was a, a big-name celebrity. And so the FEC doesn't consider this to be anything other than a personal expense. Therefore, the federal campaign finance laws don't, don't apply. Uh, but look, it's true. Cohen was coerced into pleading guilty to this. Uh, and who, who advised him to do it? His lawyer was Lanny Davis. Lanny Davis, big confidant of, guess who, Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. Well, a longtime close personal friend and confidant of both Bill and Hillary Clinton. I'm going to go, I'll come back to him, but let me go back to your analogy because I think it's a good one uh, about your mortgage. Um, I can already hear the left responding to that, saying, yeah, of course paying your mortgage is a regular expense that would have occurred whether you were running for office or not. But paying off hookers is not a regular expense. Expense. They're trying to play on, it sounds to me like, the, the sordidness of it all. The fact that Trump uh, either did or is alleged to have had these affairs on his wife shortly after, I think, I don't know if she was pregnant or shortly after she gave birth to Barron, these sorts of things. They're trying to, they're trying to say that this is worse because of the sordid nature of it. Um, and while it may be to the public and it may be to the voters, which is their, their argument here, it doesn't matter to the FEC, correct? If it's an expense, correct. If, it ex- if it's an expense that came up, it doesn't uh, matter. It has nothing to do with its legality, and right. that is the issue here. By the by, the way, those Democrats and others who are saying, uh, "Well, this is clearly an impeachable offense," well, they then have to explain why it is that they didn't consider it an impeachable offense when Barack Obama agreed to pay a civil penalty of $375,000, one of the largest civil penalties ever imposed by the Federal Election Commission, on his 2008 presidential campaign because of their violations of federal campaign finance law. Nobody at the time said that, um, that this was a reason for impeachment. It was just barely a blip in the news. You're right, 100% right, um, and and I've referenced that before. What I don't recall, though, and maybe you can, and I don't even know if it matters, but but Hans, uh, what 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 were the campaign expenditures that he did not report that led to that fine? Uh, over a million dollars that were not um, uh, reported uh, as they should have been, and also over. Overpayments. You know, you're you're limited in how much you can contribute to a federal election campaign by federal law. And if a campaign gets more money from an individual contributor than they're they're allowed to have, they have to return the portion of it that's over the limit. And the the uh, Obama campaign wasn't doing that the way they should. I mean, they finally did it, but they had the use of the money for apparently for an extended period of time and didn't return it promptly the way. The way they should have now look some democrats are saying well that was a civil penalty what cohen is doing is a criminal penalty but that actually shows the other problem with what this u.s attorney in in new york is doing which is this it goes from being just a civil penalty to being a criminal violation of the law uh, if the government shows that you knowingly and willfully violated the law well how could anybody show that donald trump willfully and knowingly violated the law when you have the SEC and other former uh, commissioners and chairmen saying it's not a violation of the law. Um, 
Hans von Spakovsky is my guest. He, of course, is an attorney. He is a former member of the Federal Election Commission. He works with Heritage Foundation now. And he wrote a great piece uh, about Michael Cohen and Donald Trump not violating campaign finance law, and thus this not being some sort of impeachable offense or some sort of a criminal offense that could uh, result in his being locked up. But I want to go back to Lanny Davis because you pointed him out. I, I I brought this up to Brad Smith when I spoke with him, Hans, and uh, and. You know, I can't prove this, obviously, and I suppose no one can. But Lanny Davis has been around the law long enough to know all of the things that you have explained to me and everything that you wrote in your in your op-ed here. He knows full well that he... Uh, I suspect he would know full well he could have gotten Michael Cohen off here and should not have had him plead guilty. But it's my opinion that that he may have sold Michael Cohen out because he knew that a guilty plea from Cohen would lead right to Trump and potentially get him impeached. Uh, and, and this is a favor on behalf of his friendship with Bill and Hillary Clinton. Do you think he really, truly best represented the interests of his client in this case? No, I don't think he did. And in fact, I think he had a conflict of interest from the first day, the first hour. He said he would uh, represent Cohen because um, his his long friendship and uh, ties with Hillary Clinton were such that it would be in his best interest to actually have his client found guilty of as many things as possible that would tie him to Donald Trump. So I no, I think he had a conflict of, of interest. Oh, by the, by the way, Bob, just a just a side note: um, the position that I took as commissioner on the FEC was the seat that uh, Brad Smith uh, left empty when he resigned from the FEC. Is that right? Wow, that's yeah. that's that's terrific, and that's a great coincidence. I've obviously got the right people here that I'm talking to. So why do you suppose, this is all speculative, uh, Hans, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but why would Michael Cohen retain this guy, knowing what you said? I, and I completely concur from the beginning. This guy may not have my best interest in mind here. He's a friend of the Clintons. He hates Trump, and I'm associated with Trump, so uh, I'm not necessarily going to get the best legal advice from this guy. Why would Cohen do that? Well, you know, we don't know what the financial agreement was between Lanny Davis for his legal services and Michael Cohen. Uh, but don't forget, uh, Michael Cohen um, uh, is in a heck of a was in a heck of a financial bind. Um, he wasn't making any more money as uh, Donald Trump's uh, lawyer. Uh, his business was in ruins because of the indictments. Uh, I suspect he didn't have a lot of money to pay a, a lawyer, and I suspect don't know for sure. I suspect that Landon Davis probably get him. God gave him a deal he, he couldn't turn down. Uh, for his legal fees. Um, last thing before you go then, Hans. Um, with respect to the president uh, in all of this, would it have changed anything if the president had filed a lawsuit or pressed charges against the two women for extortion? Because it appears as though they said, give us this money or we're going to the National Enquirer, whatever the case might be. That's, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer like you, but that to me sounds like it's extortion. He's a victim here. He's not the perpetrator of a crime. He's a victim of a crime. And if he had have filed that, those charges, maybe things would would appear differently right now. Well, Bob, you may not be a lawyer, but in fact, you've raised the very same point that I raised actually uh, some months ago when the um, indictment against Cohen was first revealed. What these women did 
um, seems to fall squarely within the federal extortion statute. There, there is a statute that makes extortion a federal crime, and um, the elements of that statute are uh, demanding money in exchange for not damaging the reputation of another individual, which seems to be exactly what these two women did. And yet, there's been nothing out of the U.S. Justice Department or the special counsel or the U.S. attorney in New York saying that they are going to be looking at these two women for a possible violation of the federal extortion statute. You know, just to to kind of put a, a cap on this, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who is now the president's personal attorney, made some interesting statements over the weekend, said, you know, you know, they're lying about all of this. And I guess it doesn't matter in terms of the campaign violent, uh, vi- campaign finance violation allegations. But but, you know, they're lying. But he said if it was true, what uh, what they were alleging. He said, "These are million-dollar payoffs. These are million-dollar payoffs at least. They only asked for one hundred thirty thousand dollars. They settled for that, which means they are glad to get anything because they knew they didn't have anything." Well, he's exactly right. The amount paid out—that's nuisance value lawsuits. Right. Yeah, that that's that nuisance value. I think those are the terms that he used as well. And I just think that kind of uh, says like, it doesn't really matter again whether he had affairs with them or not. But the fact is, they tried to extort him over it, uh, either with the lie or whether it happened, and they just they wanted to embarrass him. And moreover, uh, as you pointed out, the fact that uh, he is a public figure, he was what a, a talk not a talk show host, a reality show host, and everything else, it would have been embarrassing even in his regular life, even if he had not run for president and he could have paid them off anyway. Um, which which is why hopefully there will not be any campaign violation or uh, finance violations uh, aimed at the president. Hans von Spakowski, really, really appreciate the expertise and the analysis. It's wonderful to talk to you. Uh, it's also no, uh, it's also great to know another uh, another mind as brilliant as that of Peter Kersenow. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Like I said again, Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Thank you so much, Hans. I appreciate it. Peter right, Kersenow right, brokered our conversation today. For those who don't know, Peter uh, put me in touch with Hans von Spakowski. It's a brilliant uh, one mind, one brilliant mind, uh, uh, and another all uh, kind of kind of slumming with a with a shallow thinker like me. But it's really a pleasure to talk to him. All right, it's ten twenty four. We'll get out and come back in again right here on AM fourteen twenty. The ends. Hey, uh, Airman Lockhart, Chaplain Lockhart, Dr. Lockhart, uh, do you make a point of watching Christmas specials every year? I do. I do, too. I, uh, ever since I was a child. What's your favorite? It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Okay. What's interesting, uh, and, and that's, I, I'm probably... I don't know. I'm showing my my ageism here, if that can be a thing. Uh, it's a little old for me. It's a little over the top for me. You know, the 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 Jimmy Stewart performance a little over the top for me, but it is a classic, and I respect it for that. But um, I love the short, the half hours, and the and the hour long uh, specials too. You know, the the Frosties, the Grinch, the uh, 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 my fa- my true favorite one is Santa Claus is coming to the to, to town the acclamation version of that one as well feature length films well okay like Polar Express a Christmas story uh, those are obviously must must watch every year uh, Elf as well 
but It's a Wonderful Life is just a little old for me. I don't know. Maybe it's just, um, and I shouldn't say anything because I'm kind of old too, but it's a little bit older for me. But I, I, I can't I can't let a Christmas season go by without watching. I try to DVR those whenever I can to watch those. And I have not seen Frosty yet. Sorry for the tangent here. But uh, Samuel just played Frosty the Snowman there, and I have not seen Frosty this year, and I hope I haven't missed it. Because it was on last Sunday. It. It's, it was on last Sunday. Well, then, then I did miss it. I hope it's coming on again so that I can catch it or DVR it or something. Because uh, that's a problem. It's just not Christmas until I watch almost all of those. And my kids were both uh, teenagers now. They still act like three and five year olds whenever these come on. We enjoy them as a family so much. So uh, we got to make sure to get on that. For goodness sakes, you can't we're less forget than a week Scrooge. Away from Christmas. Say that again, Sam. You cannot forget Scrooge. Cannot forget Scrooge. No, absolutely not. Uh, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is another classic. A little bit on the cookbook. Yes, it is. And guess what? Guess what? I will not be watching as a Christmas movie because it's not a Christmas movie. Die Hard! We'll talk more after the news. It's 1031, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. Com. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is the Bob France Authority. And just for fun, because we're talking about Christmas music and Christmas specials and so on and so forth, just for fun. And by the way, I asked you to do this before I go to just for fun. Uh, Samuel did not know this, and I want to make sure anybody else who wonders, what in the world is he talking about? The Die Hard Christmas movie fight is a fight for the ages, if you're online. If you are not online and not social media active, first of all, congratulations. What in the world is that? First of all, congratulations to you. Something is just popping up and making noises on my computer. Um, first of all, uh, let me say this. Um, uh, if you're not online and social media active, good for you. You're smarter than the rest of us because I swear your life is more peaceful than it is for those of us who fi- constantly engage in fights and debates on politics and uh, and more um on uh, social media but number two you also have missed the fight about die hard as a christmas movie the movie die hard with the bruce mcclain uh, uh story from uh, the 1980s which of course spawned i want to say two or three sequels um <laughs> it took place at christmas time and so therefore it's a christmas mu- uh, movie according to those on that side of the fight it's a hilarious thing all you have to do is go online and type in your Facebook page or on your Twitter feed, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, and watch the the, the people get triggered. And, and if you do it the other way, too, you'll probably trigger people like me if you say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's a, it's a fight. It's a hilarious fight. And it's, um, no, it's not a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie in the same way that A Christmas Story, the one about Ralphie and his little Red Rider BB gun, is a movie about international terrorism. Yeah. Not so much. Scott Fargus is not more of a terrorist than Hans Gruber is. No, it's 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 just really not. But having said all that, just for fun, since uh, Samuel is playing Christmas music for us uh, as our bumper music coming into and out of breaks today, I want to give you this in case you missed it yesterday. Here's a Christmas carol for you. You know Peyton and Brady and Newton and Brees, Rogers and Watson and Dalton. But do you recall the most famous quarterback of all? Sater, the touchdown maker, had a very mighty throw. 
of brilliance uh, came from kids. Five kids of a family in Rittman, Ohio. Um, their dad put that on Facebook and uh, social media, and then Fox 8 got a hold of it and shared it. That's how I found it, is through Fox 8. Thank the, thanks to them for that. Uh, it's now on my Twitter feed. It's on my Facebook page, and it's everywhere. It's fantastic. The fact that the kids did it. Five kids, as the father told the story. Excuse me. father told the story. They were listening and singing uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, obviously. And uh, one of them, for whatever reason, started thinking about words that would rhyme with Baker uh, in order to change the, 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 the Christmas carol to celebrate the Browns' rookie quarterback who is just uh, carrying that team to heights, even though they're still under five hundred, but heights they have not seen in a long, 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 long time, especially after the one in 31 years, uh, two years of... Um, of Hugh Jackson, so it's just so much fun, and I just want to—I'm going to share that with you as much as I can because it's—it's uh, uh, it's worth it, especially in this season. All right, now having said all of that, it is a Christmas season, or it is the Christmas season, and uh, that of course means there's also the ongoing fight between secularism, Santa Claus version, and Christian—the uh, Christian reason for the season, the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, that religious faith fight is one that continues to go on in many different communities. I've had people call me, tell me that uh, nativity scenes are being kicked off of public grounds in places like Ravenna and places like Medina, I believe it was. Uh, somebody called me from, oh, goodness gracious, was it Macedonia? I don't know, it may, may have been Macedonia. Uh, no, one Streetsboro, but that might be one too. That may be another one. Well, I just got a call on Friday, I think, and uh, and I can't remember the town, but, but oh no, it was Chesterland. It was Chesterland. Chesterland. Anyway, the fights over the ability to express your religious faith at Christmas time, of course, is it, it's been going on. It's called the war on Christmas for a long time, but it just brings me to the fight to protect your religious freedom each and every day. And I want to go back to something I was discussing with Doctor Piper in the first hour of the program, and that is the attack against. Um, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which has made its mission providing free legal services to people who have been attacked because of their Christianity. They've been attacked because of their belief in Christ and their adherence to uh, Christian tenets, Christian principles. And Samuel, this should be right up your alley since you have a doctorate in theology and you are a chaplain. But this is um, this the conversation I had with Dr. Piper about uh, whether or not individuals, whether they are actually representing an, a church or a an institution, uh, educational or otherwise, or whether they just own a business, whether they have to be forced to sacrifice their principles in order to please and placate a newly classified minority protected class. 
uh, which would be the LGBT community, uh, whether it be homosexual community or transgender community. They're looking at sexual orientation and, and gender identity as, um, uh, as new minority classifications that have to be protected by anti-discrimination laws. And Dr. Piper was discussing, uh, obviously, the fact that some important evangelical institutions are buying into this notion that, yes, we can somehow protect people's religious freedom while also respecting uh, the the rights, if you will, of these other you know people in this community, in the minority members of this community, uh, speaking of uh, the sexual orientation and gender uh, identity issues. And as Dr. Piper wrote in his op-ed, you cannot have both. You cannot say that these people can't be quote-unquote discriminated against and that individuals can protect their rights to um, to uh, practice their faith as they see fit. You cannot have both. Because one is a direct challenge to the other. And as we discussed, we were talking about the great work of the Alliance Defending Freedom. The Alliance Defending Freedom is under one of the most brutal attacks from the organized left, the POSs, as I like to call them, and POS stands, of course, for Perpetually Outraged of Society. These POSs are attacking the Alliance Defending Freedom with billboards in Times Square that say, No Gays Allowed. Stop Alliance Defending Freedom. Learn more at NoGays.org. And then you go to that website, NoGays.org, and, and this is what it is. Headline, No Gays Allowed. Who is ADF? What is ADF's agenda? ADF has extreme, out-of-touch, and dangerous views about lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, and they're forcing those views on others. ADF's agenda, supporting discredited practice of conversion therapy, working to legalize discrimination against LGBT people, opposing anti-bullying policies, against adoption and foster care by, by LGBT people, touts bathroom predator myth, and so on and so forth. It is some of the most vile, dishonest, fabricated hate speech against a legitimate, legal um, law. I don't want to call them just a law firm. I was going to say a law firm, but it's a, they're, they're, they're a legal representation firm, not just a law firm. It's not just a bunch of lawyers because they are a Christian ministry as well. And none of those things that I just read to you that they are accusing them of are true. And yet they are spreading it literally in about the most prime location as possible on a billboard in Times Square. The Alliance Defending Freedom believes in none of those things. It is not working to discriminate against LGBT people. It is working to make sure that Christians are not discriminated against and forced to violate their faith. There is a giant difference. The Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, they're not opposing anti-bullying policies. They are living anti-bullying policies because it is the Christians that they represent who are being bullied by the LBGT mafia. And that's a colloquial term, but it's, I think, a pretty accurate one. You do what we tell you to do or you're getting your legs broke. Figuratively, 
most of the time, and not literally, but it's, it's the, 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 essentially what the LGBT mafia does. If you don't violate your Catholic slash Christian uh, bona fide beliefs and 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 uh, tenets and uh, uh, the, the most most core beliefs of your faith, and do what we tell you to do, but for this gay wedding or or calling this um, uh, this uh, a man this biological man a woman etc cetera, etc, cetera, we will force you to, or your business will be shut down. ABF defends these people, and now they're the ones who are being called no gays allowed. All of the clients that have been represented by the uh, the uh, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, all of the clients like Jack Phillips, like Baronel Stutzman, and those are the two biggest names, I suppose. But all of those who have been, uh, in, in, well, you know what? Here's another one. New Hope. New Hope Adoption Services in Syracuse, New York, that I was talking about, because I talked to ADF about this very, very case last week, as they indeed are being threatened with being shut down by New York State because one agency doesn't like the fact that they prefer to place children in their adoption services, which is 100% private. It's a private organization, nonprofit, that provides many services, among them adoption. They prefer to place children with mothers and fathers, married mothers and fathers. Why? Because non-married individuals are not stable enough or viewed to be, generally speaking, stable enough to make sure that the child has a healthy upbringing. And because single-parent households, again, statistically speaking, are put children, let's just put it this this way, in, in much more severe jeopardy of leading a normal, productive, healthy life, both as a child and as an adult, uh, than, than children to grow up in households with, with a mother and a father. So there are a number of organizations that the ADF has defended that are defending their religious principles and their beliefs in that nuclear family and that marriage is one man and one woman. It's not that complicated. But in the process, all of these different companies, all of these different Victims, quite frankly, of the LBG, uh, LGBT mafia, um, they have served homosexuals in for decades. Jack Phillips has sold cakes to knowingly gay customers for years and never had a problem. They don't discriminate against gay people. Same thing with Baroness Stutzman and her floral services. But when they're asked to participate in a wedding... And to offer their services for a wedding, which is then thus expressing support for something that is in direct violation of their religion. Well, now that's a different story. I can give you flowers for your own thing, but I can't produce things for this wedding that my faith tells me I'm not supposed to support. So it, it's a, it, it, the POSs of this society, honestly, right now are, are winning. It's sad, but it's reality. They drag you into court. These POSs, the perpetually outraged of society, they drag you into court, they force you to spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees to defend yourself, and then even when you win, like Jack Phillips did in the Supreme Court with Masterpiece Cakes, when you win, you still have the negative publicity and the notoriety that you were the organization that didn't want to provide cakes for a gay wedding. And now he is still being bullied by the LGBT mafia. His business is nowhere near as profitable as it was before all of this started. This is what we have to stand up against. This is textbook bullying. And we have to do it in the name of our faith. If you're Christian, 
or you are a believer in the Judeo-Christian values upon which this nation was founded, and if you don't think it was, you need to go back and read the Declaration of Independence. We are a God-fearing nation. We were founded on God-like principles with Christian theology in mind. Does that mean everyone has to practice it? No, the First Amendment says you don't have to, and we can't force you to. But what it also says is that you can't stop other people from practicing it as they see fit. And that's exactly what's happening here. So I bring this up to you now because, well, it's Christmas. And they continue to force Christmas out of the public square. They continue to force Christmas off to the side. Get that nativity scene off of the public uh, uh, grounds. Go put that someplace in a corner where nobody can see it and be offended by it. Jesus Christ representing unending love. Representing peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. We can't have people being offended by that. Get it out of here. There's a time that's right to step up and fight. ADF steps up and fights all year round. But I think this particular time is, it's good for us to remind ourselves. We don't have to be victims. We don't have to be bullied. We don't have to be embarrassed to say what we believe. And we believe as we celebrate the birth of Christ that it is good to do so publicly. It is not just okay. It is good. It is a positive thing. Because it does reaffirm all of our beliefs. And as I said, it spreads peace and goodwill toward other men. Not negativity the way the POSs do. It's 1051. We'll get a check of our traffic here. We'll come back. Uh, I've got time if you want to get in now at 216-901-0945. Last segment, a short one coming up. Dial now on AM 1420, The Answer. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy um. I thought you'd go with Baby It's Cold Outside after we were discussing this off the air, too. That there's a radio station that shall go unnamed because I don't know who they were, who they, uh, what company they are with, and uh, there's no sense in, uh, in, well, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, since they're all the way down. What was it, in Kentucky? Was it in Kentucky, I think you told me, Samuel? Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. There's a radio station in Kentucky that uh, on Sunday played two straight hours of Baby It's Cold Outside, which is exactly what one should do uh, <laughs> if you really want to make a statement. I, I have been having a little bit of fun, by the way, playing a couple of other versions of that because there are some really good versions of that, including one put together by our own. Uh, what, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that part. He wanted to go. He wanted to go un, uh, uh, unrecognized for this or anonymous on this, but uh, a radio producer who then shall be unnamed put together a nice 
parody version of Baby It's Called Outside in response to the ridiculous criticism that it's a uh, story that violates the spirit of the Me Too movement, that it's a song that actually normalizes date rape and that sort of thing. So since the uh, individual who created this has asked to remain anonymous, uh, I will play it uh, without identifying uh, that individual. But it is uh, it is terrific, and I'm having a hard time making this play right now. My apologies. Been having tech glitches all day today. We came on the air late after a um, after a uh, uh, an equipment failure made us put on a uh, uh, a best of show segment. But uh, now I'm having a problem with the computer for shopping. Oh, here it is. Good idea. Oh, not not this song. Huh? Why not? What are you talking about? This song shouldn't play. Baby, it's Christmas time. It needs to go away. But baby, it's Christmas time. Who cares what you think? You need to grow thicker that skin. That song's not okay. It's not really a Christmas song anyway. It's creepy how he calls her baby. Need to change the station. Can't listen to that song anymore. That's what the button is The for. way he disrespects that lady. You're gonna have to calm down. Put on the chipmunks. How about a kiss? Uh, no. Baby, it's Christmas time. There are. Hey, look, I don't want to upset you. Let's just turn off the Christmas music. Why are you being such a Scrooge? <sighs> very, very well done. Congratulations again. Uh, I can't, I'm not allowed to say who put that together, but I do. I can say that Amanda Jean Dukes did the vocals uh that's the female part of the vocals simply terrific great job uh by the production crew on that one but that's one of a number of parodies out there because as again the um uh radio station down in uh in kentucky that samuel just told us about went ahead and said you know what let's just play the actual original as many times as possible they played it for two solid hours it's kind of a protest statement and i'm just i want to join that so if you can you take us out with that instead of the regular closing music samuel can you do that for me can we just end with the actual baby it's uh uh baby it's cold outside because if you can give me if you can give me that i'll do that another time can't do it right now all right i understand i just i just thought it would be a good way to end the show because uh well how about this how about this? Instead of that, how about this? Let's hey, see. you're free to go. I've got to go away. Understood no means no. This evening has been... We'll close it out with this parody version of it. Baby, just get outside. understand consent. My will start to worry. Definitely text her right now. Here's Mike Gallagher's next on AM 1420 The Answer. Have a great day. I am going to stand over now here. Maybe just a half a drink you more. You are in control. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.